woke up quick at about noon. And welcome into the Thursday, July 2nd, 2020 edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Healthcare. I realize as I sit down to record this show here at 5.50 a.m. that many of you might actually have the day off. I know a lot of companies are doing the extended holiday with many people probably being off tomorrow with the 4th of July being on Saturday. Uh, if so, hope you hope you found some way to make us a part of your day. Hope you enjoy your four days off. Just as a quick PSA, because I know you know people might be out of their routines tomorrow, particularly if they don't have to work. Don't, for any reason whatsoever, set off fireworks in your neighborhood. Know this. I love you. Each and every single one of you. Even if you don't text, even if you don't tweet, even if you don't email, even if you haven't rated the show, even if you haven't reviewed the show, even if it's your very first time listening, know that I love you for listening. I love you for giving this podcast a chance. I love you for building this podcast into what it has become today. Also, if you set off fireworks in your neighborhood, I at the same time think you're an asshole and hate your guts. This is going to be, I can already tell with, uh, with, uh, with the Saturday, and I'm only being mildly sarcastic. I just noticed people have kind of started to set off fireworks kind of throughout the week. Just, just nothing long, nothing, you know, too, too much. But, man, if you're not a dog owner, you cannot possibly fathom how miserable the upcoming days are going to be if you're a dog owner. Like I've, you, I mean, obviously, hopefully, nobody is going anywhere to any sort of party this weekend but july 4th new year's eve dude i don't leave my house because my dogs are absolutely terrified and i don't have like little yippy dogs you know what i mean little yapper dogs who bark at everything i have two you know 70 plus pound labs uh, and they're you know they're two giant teddy bears but when those fireworks start man they get absolutely petrified one of them hides here actually her new uh retreat place has become this office that I record the podcast in cuz I spend so much time in here during the day now this is where they know where I'm at she comes and just kind of hides under the desk and I know that tomorrow and Saturday are going to absolutely suck man so if you have dogs uh, we're in this together, man. We'll get through this together. Uh, if you don't, don't set off fireworks in your neighborhood because all of us with dogs absolutely hate you. With that said, let's get started here on the podcast. Again, I'm only being slightly sarcastic when I say hate, but at about nine o'clock, nine thirty on Saturday night, it's 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 gonna feel like a strong strong hatred. Um, there is nothing like seeing your, well, I don't have kids. I'm sure it's significantly worse with your kids, but when you're a pet owner and you see your dogs as frightened as they're going to be this weekend, man, it is such a horrible, horrible experience. Um, all right, let's move on. There was, it was an eventful day yesterday in sports. We had, uh, we got Kings to talk about. We'll hear from Luke Walton coming up in just a couple of minutes as the Kings did their first, you know, official media session on the first day of mandatory workouts in the NBA. I know that the Kings, along with a number of other teams, were uh, sending out tweets and social media messages that practice is back. That's uh, not exactly true. Like, yes, practice is back, but it's individual practice. It is not team practice. Team practices are not taking place until uh, teams arrive in Orlando. Actually, team practices aren't taking place until several days after teams arrive 
arrive in Orlando. But we'll hear uh, from Luke Walton coming up here uh, in just a little bit. We'll talk uh, NBA. Uh, Frank Vogel talked to the media yesterday. A number of teams uh, spoke to the media yesterday. We'll get an update on Dwight Howard, Dame Lillard. Not super confident all of this is going to work, and maybe not for the same reasons that you are. But let's start with the NFL. Uh, the NFL has apparently taken an idea that we were talking about. Uh, they've eliminated two of their preseason games. I know we really went out on the limb by saying the NFL should eliminate two preseason games, but it was reported yesterday by ESPN's Kevin Seifert that they're looking to eliminate the first and fourth uh, preseason contest. Uh, if that's the case, for example, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, that would eliminate their August 15th game against the Denver Broncos, which was scheduled to be in Denver and then the September 3rd game at home versus the Chargers. I read a separate report that the NFL may look into kind of adjusting the entire preseason schedule that they have, not in terms of the teams that they play, but they want to try to get every team at least one home game during this preseason or whatever this is going to look like. Um, I saw... You know, and, and I guess this is a related report. I saw that the NFL may have fans sign COVID waivers or, or as known as Ohio State, Buckeye pledges. And I thought, oh, wow, they're really considering letting fans in the building. Because I thought through, you know, with things that are happening all over the country, they're happening here in California. It's happening in Florida and Texas and New York. I thought, okay. This isn't going to, and, and trying to think about it from a sports perspective, of course, this isn't going to slow the NFL down. Nothing short of death, nothing short perhaps of multiple deaths is going to slow the NFL down in their pursuit to have a 2020 season. But I did think, okay, maybe this will quiet the noise about filling up the stadium to 50% capacity or 25% capacity or whatever. Uh, I, I guess not. Then now, obviously, they, they have not made a... They have not made a proclamation that we're allowing fans in. They have not made a, you know, tickets available. They have not done anything of the sort. But the fact that they're contemplating these COVID waivers is like, oh, because fans wouldn't have anything to do with a game unless they were being let inside the building. So having a COVID waiver, all it, and we said yesterday, things change so quickly, right? Training camp is set to begin, or, rephrase that training camp is set to uh, converge teams are set to converge on their on their sites here in 20 every team will have reported in 26 days 32 NFL teams will be upon training camp in 26 days a whole lot could happen in 26 days is what we keep saying about the NBA you know basketball still an actual basketball game is still 28 days away from today I saw the the, the Dallas FC story that uh, six players, or, or I, I, don't, I don't know if it was six players, but six people associated with the Dallas FC team uh, tested positive after arriving to Florida where they're scheduled to have their so-called bubble. Difference is, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if they, I don't know if they traveled commercial to get there. I don't know how they, you know, I don't know how the travel situation worked with them, but that's, a, that's a obviously a, a very bad start to, to bubble life for the MLS, something the NBA can't afford to happen. And from at least everything that we have heard so far, the NFL has 
only had kind of exploratory talks about a bubble. Of course, a metaphorical bubble. Um, you know, because I keep, you, we keep talking about uh, what's going to happen. You know, maybe we should hold off the NBA season and wait till next year. And when I think about the NBA season, meaning wait till next season, I, I'm trying to figure out what next year is actually going to look like. Because you're not going to have a situation where, like, the Kings are flying into Los Angeles, are you? Are we seeing a situation where uh, teams are grouped up like, <laughs> like maybe they only play Western Conference teams and Eastern Conference teams? Maybe we, I don't know what we do with like Minnesota and Chicago or who we parse them off. I feel like they're a lot closer to the East and the West. But what do you like? Ugh. Is it just, oh man, the Kings got a, they got a game in Brooklyn and a game at the Garden. Like, is that really what it's going to be next year? People keep saying, oh, wait till next year, wait till next year. Man, we don't have any idea what next year is going to look like. We don't even have any idea what the NFL preseason is going to look like in 26 days. We don't know what it's going to look like when games actually resume. It was cool to see Luke Walton give a press conference yesterday. It was cool to see De'Aaron Fox and to have, like, actual media quotes. It actually felt like, oh, look, the NBA season is here. If you can just block out the fact we're praying that a whole bunch of people don't test positive. We're praying that one person doesn't test positive and, and suffer, you know, the ultimate consequence from it. Like we're, you know, we're looking at it from that sense and still we're reading reports that perhaps maybe there are going to be some restrictions on who can actually be on the sidelines of these games. Like the NBA is still floating out. Well, you yeah, are going to. We haven't really definitively said, but, you know, we're not sure about guys like Mike D'Antoni. We're not sure about guys like Greg Popovich. You know, and they've come out and said, well, age isn't going to be the only factor. Okay, it's not the only factor. All right. Pop, Pop's, what, 71? Like D'Antoni, Gentry, those guys are in their 60s. You know, Math tells me they've probably had some sort of health problem. Maybe, maybe you know, of, of different levels of seriousness. But how are we really gauging this? And it, it's one of the, the millions of unanswered questions. Like the NFL, you eliminate two preseason games. Great. Okay, I still have a lot of questions. How does it, do, do, do we have, like, how do the hotels work? That, that's got to be... You know, without the without the you know the complex environment, the metaphorical bubble environment, what do away teams do? Like you're really putting a whole lot of trust into you know the the folks at the Sawyer. You know what I mean? You're you're really putting a lot of uh, a lot of trust into. And I know that the these NFL teams they stay at you know four and five star hotels, and I get that. But man, you're putting a lot of trust into that hotel staff. A lot. They've got a, they've the, the the NFL has a you know the NFL trade plays it cool, calm, collected. Hey, we're playing ball, but man, they've got a whole lot that they've got to figure out. Uh, but the first step, I guess, is to eliminate a couple of preseason games. I I wouldn't be terribly shocked if they eliminated all four and they just did the the scrimmage bits that you know we used to be at preseason. And I think the I think it was the Detroit Lions who were there the last time I was at Raiders uh, preseason or Raiders training camp, excuse me. 
I wonder if they just decide to do those. I don't know that. I don't know that that's necessarily any different. Obviously, it's still the game. It's still close contact. It's just it's it's a little bit more. I, or maybe they just want to go through. Uh, they they basically want to have the equivalent of a of of like okay, let's let's see how game days work in this new environment. You know, because they're going to have to operate their whole season under this environment. Let's see how game days work. Let's see you know how we do these temperature checks. Let's see how we admit team personnel into the into the building or into the you know the stadium and then and then go from there who's going to be in charge of of admitting team personnel and players into the building is it going to be someone appointed by the team doing like temperature checks covid tests tests and such or is it going to be someone associated with the nfl is it going to be someone completely independent and they're just a doctor that's contracted out or 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 um you know, medical professionals that are contracted out by the NFL every single Sunday at stadiums across the country. These are all questions that we've we've got to have answered coming up here pretty soon. I would argue we've got to have those questions answered before the teams converge on training camp on July 28th. Uh, another question uh, we don't have to have answered, but we might, is the future of Antonio Brown. Uh, it appears... Uh, he's making friendlies with Russell Wilson. Uh, they've been spotted uh, working out together. And when I say spotted, I mean they've video has been put on Instagram of the two working out together. And it's not the first time. It's not the first time that Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown have worked out together over the course of the last offseason or so. And Russell Wilson has been vocal, uh, at least with the members of his Seattle Seahawks front office, that he would like uh, to bring Antonio Brown in and see what they're able to do with him. And reports are the Seahawks have been receptive. There have been internal discussions about bringing in Antonio Brown, who had one of the greatest collapses in recent NFL memory last year. And I don't mean on the field. Just one of the most phenomenal offseason cl- collapses, one of the most off-the-field, uh, astonishing off-the-field collapses ever seen from an athlete of that caliber. And I'm not talking about like his was a his was a slow burn. You know, this wasn't you know, I, I don't know that any NFL player. I mean, is it a correct me if I'm wrong? Nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. Is there a greater like fall from stardom than Mike Vick? I mean, he was at the top. He was the pinnacle he was at the top of the NFL he was at the top of his game when his disgusting off the field behavior brought him down is there is there a, a, an, another athlete that has done that I can't think of one like at that level who has fallen off I mean I mean it, you know the the tight end in in New England he wasn't of that level well obviously what he did is just unfathomable but he wasn't at the level that Michael Vick was, even though he was a good, he was a tight end. Mike Vick was a quarterback. He was a dynamic, electrifying quarterback. Antonio Brown was, when he was playing, considered the best wide receiver in football. And then this, you know, the, the, the bizarre offseason that's, you know, for, with Pittsburgh and, and then Oakland and then everything that went on with Oakland and then helmets and cryotherapy. And then all of a sudden, these horrible allegations that come out from him o- or uh, about him over and over and over and over again. It's like, God bless it. Every day 
it was some sort of Antonio Brown story. Every single day. I, the, the causes are very different. The Antonio Brown-Mike Vick causes are, are very different. Mike Vick was quick and swift, and it was like, oh, yep, this is bad. This is really bad. With Antonio Brown, it was like, man, what, what is he doing? And then the next day, it was like, dude, what are you? And then the next day, it was like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. It was just day after day of Antonio Brown stories that seemed absolutely incredible, absolutely unbelievable. This would be a great get, though, for Russell Wilson. I mean, if you're getting the Antonio Brown who has his head relatively straight, you're, 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 I mean, if you're getting the Antonio Brown who was the wide receiver in Pittsburgh and not all of the nonsense that went on in Oakland and, you know, him, I gosh, I almost forgot he, he was on the Patriots for a split second. If you're getting the football player Antonio Brown who has his head screwed on straight, man, this is a this would be a good get for Russell Wilson. I don't know how many more you know great years Antonio Brown has left, uh, but he's. I mean this this is this is a big get for for Russell Wilson. Did you see the video of Cam Newton working out with Mohamed Sanu? By the way, Sanu just just shredded right just for no reason, just big, just shred- and he looked like a child. Next to Cam Newton. Now, Sanu had his shirt off, so he he's significantly more chiseled, but just Cam in size. Cam, you know, Cam, Cam was geared up, but in his size, he just he just dwarfed Muhammad Sanu. That was my Cam Newton appreciation moment for today's show. Because I, I feel from now until July twenty eighth, I gotta figure figure out some way to work to work in. Uh, my Cam Newton appreciation thoughts. Uh, we're going to get to Luke Walton and the Sacramento Kings coming up here uh, in just a heartbeat. One more note. This pertains to Washington, or I should say the Washington football team. Uh, 87 investment firms representing $620 billion in assets sent letters last week to Nike, FedEx, and Pepsi asking the companies to refuse to do business with the Washington franchise until it's changed its name. And I, I found this interesting because they openly acknowledge that they're attempting to piggyback off the Black Lives Matter movement. And they say that, you know, we've tried this before to little avail. We've tried this with Nike and we have gotten nowhere. You know, the Nike is uh, NFL's official apparel provider. Uh, Pepsi is the beverage the official beverage of the National Football League. Uh, but they said this time, with the Black Lives Matter movement that is going on, with focused on the world's attention on centuries of systemic racism, we are witnessing a fresh outpouring of optimism to the team, or opposition, excuse me, to the team name. Like, oh, okay. They continue, therefore it is time for Nike to meet the magnitude of this moment to make their opposition to the racist team name clear and to take tangible and meaningful steps to exert pressure on the team to cease using it. I mentioned Nike and Pepsi. I probably should have mentioned that FedEx holds the naming rights where Washington plays. I'm sure you knew that, but it's worth pointing out. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I have heard a lot lately about a fresh push to get this team name changed. I just don't see it. I mean, I just don't see it because Dan Schneider's a turd, man. Like he he doesn't care what I think. He doesn't care what you think. I don't think he cares what most of his fans think. 
I think as long as they fill up that FedEx stadium and as long as he gets money for it being FedEx stadium, this is the only thing that's going to get his attention. Like he's going to have to lose billions and billions of pawn dollars. And Dan Schneider to me strikes me as the type of guy who isn't going to go, okay, Nike's FedEx, Pepsi. They're all, okay. All right. I'll change the name. He's going to be like, oh, we're going to court. You can't exclude me from, you know, Nike and Pepsi. They're, they're NFL deals that go across all 32 teams. You can't exclude me from this. We're going to court. FedEx is different. But he'll probably, at the same time, what, what are the parameters of the, the naming rights that they had? What's the parameters of the contract that they signed? It's not like he's going to go, oh, okay, you got me. I'll change the name. He, he loves this. Dan Schneider absolutely loves this because what it does is it gives him, it allows him to be in this position of power. It allows him to say, like, look, this is my team. This is the team that I bought, and I'm not changing it. It's not like it's not like Dan Schneider created that name. This team, this team name has been around forever. But it, it, it always makes me think like, where where do the name changes stop though? Because if if they do change Washington, and I'm, you may or may not have noticed, I've been trying to call it. I haven't used the other team name for years, just because I know that there are people who are offended by it. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's a large number of people or a small number of people. If people are offended by it, then who am I to say it? But I also wonder like. Ew. Shouldn't we change the Cleveland baseball team's name? And then I also wonder, like, do we need to change the reigning defending Super Bowl champion's name? I always go, like, I always think about to Bomani Jones' shirt. Many of you may remember when he had the, the character on his shirt, and it said Caucasians. And ESPN told him to not wear it anymore. And I think, I think they had him turn it inside out after the first segment. I think that could be wrong, but I feel like he, maybe he either turned it inside out or he covered it or something in one of the segments. And I, I just think back to that shirt, like, why don't we have it? Like if we have the Cleveland Indians, why don't we have the, you know, Ohio Caucasians or the Cincinnati Caucasians. I don't know why I'm sticking with the state of Ohio for this, but I, I don't know why that shirt always sticks out to me when I think of the Cleveland Indians. I know that was about the character that's on that that that, that Cleveland has since I believe gotten rid of. But I, 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 you know, every time I say the Cleveland Indians, I think, oh man, like shouldn't we change that? Or any, t- yeah, I, I kind of think the same thing about the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, should don't we need to change these? If we're changing Washington, shouldn't we change Cleveland too? Cleveland over Kansas City for sure. But I feel like Kansas City, and I'm not suggesting we do anything. I'm, as I've said before, I'm legitimately asking questions that I'm expecting you're just answering as you're listening. Even if you don't text or tweet your reply, I expect that you're just answering. I expect you're saying, no, you freaking idiot. We don't need to change it. Or, yeah, that's a good point. It's a phrase I haven't heard in a long time. But I, I, I don't know. I, I keep saying this Washington story, and I, for some reason it draws me right to Cleveland's baseball team. I feel like the Indians' name needs to be changed. If we're changing Washington, and even if we're not, still, like we're calling them the Cleveland Indians? I don't know. Maybe I'm sensitive. I don't know. Probably. It's probably accurate. I'm probably sensitive. 
Let's go to basketball. Let's talk about the Kings. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. Um, Sacramento Kings, they had their first official media session in a very, very long time yesterday. I know Sam Amick has spoken with Luke Walton. I think Jason Jones has as well. A couple of guys have set up meetings uh, uh, with coaches over the course of the last few months, but this was this was the first time we sat down and we we had an official media in you know invitation and and we had uh, we had players available. We had De'Aaron Fox available. We had Luke Walton available. Luke Walton talked about uh, you know his concerns and concerns that the team has about uh, Orlando and, and and the coronavirus and everything that the that, that the team and the players are going to be facing. Uh, coming up not a single player has come to me with that concern um so from from the best of my understanding uh, our guys are comfortable with going they're excited to go and kind of what i'm talking about that comfortable being comfortable is we were all gone for so long and, and being back in in the gym and and you know can i not you know, I'm not shaking hands, social distancing, wearing masks around, all of that just, you know, creates a different environment than we're used to uh, within a, a close sports organization. So a lot of that comfortability is just kind of, like you said, the new norm, getting comfortable with, you know, when we get here, guys bring their own workout clothes. They have a, a, a change of shoes uh, waiting for them that they don't, they don't take out of the arena. So there's a lot of little things that are going to take us getting comfortable with. Uh, but as far as going to Orlando, um, my understanding, everyone on our team is, is, is good with it and excited about it. Uh, by the way, thanks uh, to Sean Cunningham and his Twitter account for all of this audio that we'll be using here today. We'll probably be using it a lot moving forward. Sean is really great at getting sound bites up on his Twitter account. So if you don't follow him, I'm confident that you do. But if you don't, uh, you very much should at Sean Cunningham at Twitter. And I don't know that he knows what a big asset he is to uh, our show here. But Sean, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, another person who took to the podium yesterday, and by the way, it was it was it's funny listening to Luke Walton there because I don't know that all of us fully grasp what these players got to go through when they get to the facility. You know, coaches are working out in masks, like they're doing full on workouts uh, with not only with masks on, but with goggles as well to keep you know any any incidental sweat or anything else out of their eyes like they're they're they have uh they have goggles they have masks and it's it's quite the experience of you know changing clothes when you get there changing shoes leaving shoes there have shoes that you can you know take to get into the car or, or, or get home or whatever your transportation you know situation is uh it, it's it's quite an experience that i've been uh filled in on over the course of the last couple of days uh De'Aaron fox was asked similar questions about the resumption of the nba season uh you know the world that we're living in right now but uh i mean life is all about adapting so that's what we're doing right now and i mean i feel good about being able to get back on the court and um and work out and you know be able to see some of the guys um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying the process and I mean, I'm, I'm ready to play whenever, whenever we start. Oh, and the hair, I was going to cut my hair, uh, after the season and then he got the quarantine. I was like, yo, I'm done with it. So I cut it. Yeah. Mentioned the, the, the haircut was a, a topic of conversation yesterday, uh, during the call as well. Uh, but De'Aaron, you do, you, you hear it, you know, kind of in his voice, he's, he's excited. He's ready to go as, as many of them are. Uh, as many players are the Kings, you know, I mean, they got an opportunity here. Why not? 
why not be excited? They got they've got an opportunity to, you know, to get in here and to you know jump into the playoffs, perhaps at least compete. I mean, I don't know how we. I don't know. You know, we always talk about measuring success in a season, right? If the Kings, if nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, if they're able to gain, you know, that half a half a game that they need to get the playing game against Memphis, that also would mean that they have fought off Portland. That would mean that they have fought off New Orleans, the national media's pick to to move forward in the conversation. Uh, San Antonio, Phoenix, all those other teams. Is that a... It, it, you got to consider, it, there's got to be some sem, semblance of success there. Beating Memphis, I think, twice in a row. I think it's going to be difficult to do all of the things that we just laid out. Because remember, it's not just getting within three games of Memphis. It's also fighting off the other teams who were trying to get within three games of Memphis, winning the tiebreakers. They've got two games against New Orleans. They got to be able to get, you know, you got to at the very least split those. You want to put yourself in the best position. Hot take here. You got to win both of them. So, you know, how, what is that? What does success look like for the Kings? What is and do we measure success differently than we would have if the season had just come to an end? So let's. What if things do go well? Like they, we know they went thirteen and seven over the course of the last twenty games of the season. Good. Okay. What if they go? So we got eight games coming up here. What if they go six and two? What if they go six and two and they they get into the play in scenario with Memphis and they wind up, you know, they wind up losing the first or second game. Like, all right, season's over. How do we measure success here? Because there are two very different Sacramento Kings. I think there's something too. If the Kings go six and two, and and I and I know projecting records is absolutely foolish to do, but I'm 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 creating less of a a record projection and more of a a hypothetical situation where we even you know a game so five and three six and two something along those lines without the playoffs. And then you have the 13-7 and seven stretch at the end of the regular season. I think you've got to start looking at this like, all right, okay, there's something to the roster now. Like, we, we, we know that it wasn't just a, a stretch of ball. We know that they were, they were playing well, and then the season got halted. We had essentially a, an offseason in the, in the, you know, towards the end of our regular season. We had a complete offseason. And then they came back and they were able to play again, like they were able to play well again. And of course, and, and you know, even now as I say that out loud, I realized it's going to be le- less about what Sacramento does. Like if a team like New Orleans doesn't make it, or a team like Portland doesn't make it, it's going to be less about you know, it's going to be more well, you know, that long that long break. And it, it, the same thing is going to happen for the Kings. If the Kings do make it, the the line is going to be well that gosh that long break. Teams came back and you know they were just playing so terribly, and Sacramento was able to take advantage. Like the Kings aren't going to get credit on a on a national basis, no matter what they do, unless they go, you know, unless they go eight and zero. You know what I mean? Unless and unless they are just you know obviously untouchable. They win back to back games against you know Memphis. If that wasn't enough to get the 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 eighth seed outright, they went back to back games against Memphis. They go ten and zero entering the first round of the playoffs. Maybe then, you know, people will start you know taking the Kings seriously. But anything that the Kings do, people are, are going to make it about the break. They're going to make it about bad basketball, like we were talking about with Jason Jones yesterday. What is the first? 
two weeks of basketball, what is that so-called regular season of basketball going to look like? Those big opening night games that we've got, the Lakers versus the Clippers, the Jazz versus whoever it was, I can't remember, but what's it going to look like? Some of these, you know, again, like Jason Jones was talking about, some of these guys, like that that hoop that Bogdan Bogdanovich has is the same one that my godson and nephew have. That's the same hoop. They got the same basketball hoop. Same one that a professional NBA player who is looking to make uh, tens of millions of dollars this offseason. They've got the same hoop. They've had the same hoop for the last four and a half, five months. So, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. I hope it gets here, man. I just, I, I really hope we can get through the next few weeks without just anything awful happening. I hope that we make it to Orlando. Let's get to Orlando. Let me rephrase that because they're going to Orlando in five days or five, six, seven days, depending on what team you are. I hope we get to July 30th. I hope we get to actual games being played because I'm curious too. I'm curious what the game is going to look like, both you know from a from a visual perspective, from an audible perspective, and I'm curious like what type of basketball are we looking at? Like I, I know people have made the comparisons to summer league. I don't. This isn't going to be summer league ball because Anthony Davis, LeBron James, those tiers of players, they're not playing in summer league. You know the, 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 that loaded roster in Milwaukee. That's not a that's not a team that you would see play during summer league. You know this is very much going to be like. It's, it's going to be like the, the beginning of the regular season and maybe even a bit of the postseason or, or preseason just kind of wrapped up into one. And I got to imagine those first couple of nights of basketball are going to look pretty rough. I just don't know when the changeover happens. I don't know when, it, when we start to get into a stretch of, okay, now we're seeing some good basketball. And maybe, you know, there are times, I think we could see good basketball that's actually bad. You know what I mean? Like if there's a, you know, we could see missed shots and lots of turnovers. We could see sloppy basketball, but the score still winds up like 102 to 99. You know what I mean? Or 102 to 100 and it ends on a buzzer beater. And, you know, hey, we remember the last thing we saw. If games are ending close and they're not ending in blowouts, I think that's where we start to look at like, oh, what are we watching? Is when it's, you know, 100, you know, 110 to, 70 which I'm sure we'll see a couple of those but I think that's when we look at like oh this is trash why are we sitting through this like let's just get to the playoffs or let's just get through this this sucks but even if we're getting sloppy basketball with turnovers and missed shots and you know all sorts of silliness taking place like a like a lengthy reel of basketball bloopers but we get a buzzer beater or we get a really close game in the you know in the final possession or two okay you know, we always remember the last thing we saw with great fondness. And that's, you know, we used to have this conversation all the time. Great games versus great endings. There have been a number of games that have been awful. But the endings were so good. That was all we cared about. We cared about how the game finished. And I guess in the end, I guess that's all we'll care about with these, with these games approaching here. Uh, I had mentioned Frank Vogel uh, as along, you know, along with you know virtually every other team in the league. Frank Vogel spoke to the media yesterday as well. He was talking about Dwight Howard, and they're not going to sign a replacement player for Dwight Howard. He has not yet committed 
to being in uh, Orlando. Uh, he is not yet with the team. He's actually uh, in Georgia, and he is still deciding on whether he's going to be a part of the Orlando restart. Uh, he has been communicating uh, with the team, and he has been on uh, like the, the team meetings that they have. Team meetings are still taking place, by the way, through you know video communication. They're still taking place through Zoom or whatever you know video conference these uh, video software con- conference software. You know what I'm trying to say. Whatever these guys are using, that's how they're meeting. Even though they're practicing, it's not like De'Aaron and Bagley and and Buddy and Bogey and all of those guys. It's not like they're all at the facility at the same time. There's only a handful of players that are allowed at the facility, and they have to cycle in and out. So when there's time for a team meeting, they're still meeting, you know, from their respective homes or whatever on, on a video conference. Dwight Howard for the Lakers has been a part of some of those video conferences. So Frank Vogel said yesterday that they're not going to sign a player and they're remaining hopeful that Dwight Howard is going to join them. And isn't that crazy to think, man, Dwight Howard is an important piece of what the Lakers are going to be trying to do uh, during this restart in Orlando. If you had said that before the season started, which feels like an eternity ago, if you had said this before the season started, uh, you'd be like, nah, I think you're mistaken. (laughs) In fact, I think you're sorely mistaken. Of course, if you had said a lot of things, before the season started, we'd probably think that you were sorely mistaken. We live in a strange world where Kobe Bryant's death can shock the entire country. Where Kobe Bryant's death can shock the entire world. And it's not going to even be the most bizarre story that has happened this year. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Like, think about what the NBA has dealt with this year. I know we've talked about this before, but my gosh. Remember, the the whole situation with China was this season. It wasn't this calendar year, because I think it was in October. But it was this season. David Stern passed away. Kobe Bryant dies in the helicopter crash. And then a global pandemic shuts our entire world down. It's phenomenal. I don't even know. Think back. To that day, Kobe passed away. And think back to those following days. Remember what they were like? Remember people? Remember, remember people's reaction to it? Did it, I mean it was it was January? It was February. It was like this is this is going to be one of the most notable experiences of our lives. And think about everything that has happened since then. With COVID-19, you know, with the global pandemic, with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, and with Donald Trump tweeting out a white power video, the president of the United States of America is fueling a race war across the country. Like, all of that has happened this year. And all I can do is just try to take myself back. Man, I remember how I felt when Kobe passed away. And how surreal that moment was. And thinking, man, this is one of the strangest experiences of my life. And here we are. Where that strange experience has been topped like seven times since then. It's not hyperbole to say 2020 is the worst year that has ever happened. Like 2020 is the worst year God's ever created. Like we've, this one's getting tossed out of the record books. Like when, when in 10, 15, 20 years, when... 
kids are taught history and it's going to go from 2017, 18, 19 to 2021. Oh, but sorry, Mr. Mr. History teacher, what happened to 2020? Uh, uh, we don't we don't talk about that year. No, nope, we just ignore it. Like we do a lot of things in American history. 2020 is going to be one of those things that's just forever ignored. Like let's never speak of it. It's like Freddy Krueger's name. You don't bring up Freddy Krueger's name. Not on Elm Street. Mm-mm. That's a dated ass reference. Sorry. I apologize for that. That is such a dated reference. That's a re- I know they were supposed to reboot that entire series and then they did like one. I thought that one remake that they did was actually really good. It was good because it made Freddy Krueger scary again. And Freddy Krueger hadn't been scary in years. Like Freddy Krueger became like a comedian in some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But I thought the remake wasn't bad. I thought it gave a really, really good story. And I thought it was scary. Like I, th- I thought it worked. And we're going to relaunch the franchise. Ah, cool. I'm, you got my attention. I used to love the, the Nightmare on Elm Street s- series when I was younger. I had the, you know, the Freddy Krueger plastic glove, and I even had a, a different electronic one. It was a Freddy Krueger glove, but the, 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 the fingers lighted up. Like, I, I loved the whole bit. I thought it was great. Again, because Freddy Krueger, after Nightmare on Elm Street 1, Freddy Krueger wasn't scary. He wasn't scary in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 or 4. Like, he was becoming, you know, comical at this point. Nightmare on Elm Street 1 was scary. And that scene where his arms like stretch out and then he, he, you know, Nancy says, oh God. And he brings his hand to his face and he goes, this is God. That's freaking terrifying to this day. Absolutely terrifying. That was a left turn. Oh dear. Let's see if we can get back on track here. Let's go to Dame Lillard. That's Dame. If you're still listening to this podcast after that Freddy Krueger tirade, man, God bless you. I love each and every one of you. I hope you know that. Um, unless you're letting off fireworks this weekend, then I don't. Uh, Dame Lillard has his doubts, uh, but maybe not for the same reasons that other people do. Uh, Dame Lillard has his doubts about this so-called bubble environment in Orlando, and he says, my confidence ain't great. My confidence ain't great because you're telling me you're going to have 22 teams full of players following all the rules when we have a hundred percent freedom everybody don't follow all the rules i don't have much confidence but hopefully it'll be handled to a point where we're not putting everybody at risk or in a dangerous situation dame lillard continues uh, the fact that we're going to be in a bubble it kind of knocks it down and limits the chances of being exposed to everybody else outside the bubble in orlando i think it's a safer situation but I don't think it's possible for them to protect us 100%. I think everybody's going there understanding that. This is something that you know has been talked about a lot that I've had actually a lot of conversations about is how are you how I I don't oh, I don't want to use the term policing but like how are you really going to monitor what these players are doing? Are these players, you know, getting outside of the bubble, coming back in the bubble, like how how are you able to do this? I think I've shared with you the experience of the 2008 Olympics. And I was at the 2008 Olympics with USA Basketball. And I can tell you if that, that I think it was the Intercontinental Hotel in Beijing, if that hotel, if, if they can operate the, the Disney World complex 
the way that they operate those hotels that the USA men's basketball team is at, oh, they're going to know the comings and goings of everybody. That was one of the most secure places I have ever been. And I've been in the vice president's office before. <laughs> like you walk into, you walk into not our current vice president, by the way, just to be clear, uh, you walk into, you know, when you approach the intercontinental hotel where the, the U S men's Olympic team was like LeBron and D Wade. And you know, that, that 2018 was just loaded with stars. Kobe, of course, you, you, you had to show your key card at the corner. Right, just just to even get near the hotel, you had to show your key card. Okay, you got the key card. Then as you approached, you had to show your key card again. You had to show your USA basketball ID that you were issued. And then you had to show uh and then you had to go through two different metal detectors. If there is anything remotely close to that type of security setup at this complex in, in Orlando, they're gonna be in good shape in terms of players trying to get in and get out. Because that's essentially the rules that we're talking about, right? That's, that's, that's what Dame Lillard is referring to. He's referring to, you know, kind of staying on the campus. There's not a lot of reason to leave campus. You've got, you know, you've got barbers. You've got nail stuff. You've got golf. Uh, you've got all sorts of lounges. You've got all of these different things. There really isn't a ton of reason to leave. You're going to be able to get everything you need within that complex right there. Again, I say you're going to get everything that you need within that complex there. You may not be able to get everything you want. And those are two very different things. Needs and wants are very different. So how will these players uh, be able to manage that? You know, one thing that really hasn't gotten enough attention, and maybe we'll spend some time talking about this next week, is, you know, some of, there are teams that are going to lose. And, and that's why this is such a dynamic situation, because I think there are teams that are going to lose because they're legitimately sick of seeing each other. I think there are teams that once we get deep enough into this thing, they're just going to want to go home. Have you ever been around? Like, this is a really long time for teams like, let's, let's you know, the Lakers are going to be around for a while. Let's let's assume, of course, the Lakers are going to be around a while. The Clippers are going to be around a while. The Bucks are going to be around a while. You know, I think, you know, maybe the Celtics will be around a while. Like, when we look at those teams that are going to be playing, you know, into the second and third round of the playoffs and, you know, conference finals and finals, you're going to have to be around the same exact people for a very, very, very long time with essentially nowhere to go. These guys are going to drive each other nuts. We may get more basketball beefs out of this bubble than we could have ever imagined. Like we may get into free agency in October or November or whenever that's supposed to start with like teammates now hating each other because they had to spend, you know, two and a half or three months together or longer. Dude, and I'm not even remotely being sarcastic. I am being dead serious. These guys are going to be sick of each other's faces come September. Oh, but Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard has his doubts. Hey, let's end with this one. Let's end with a, a, a racism being rewarded story. I'll make this quick. Uh, Utah, the university, Utah defensive coordinator, Morgan Scaley will retain his position after the school conducted an internal review into his use of a racial slur in a 2013 text message. Oh, isn't that nice? He's going to take a significant pay cut. Oh, what's the significant pay cut going to be? Well, he was supposed to increase his annual salary to $1.1 million. Instead, 
uh, it's going to revert to a one-year contract for his 2018 salary, which was $525,000. And I said that they conducted a investigation into him using a racial slur in a text message, which he did do, and he did not deny. And I should point out that it wasn't a racial slur. It was the racial slur. It's, it's probably the one that you're thinking about when he was referring to a player. No, not the K-word. Not Karen. It's the it's the other word, the one that starts with an N and ends with the hard R. Yeah, he he used that. And and why did he keep his job in this situation? Why did he keep his job in which he's you know working around uh, so many uh, African American athletes? Oh well, of course the um, athletic director at Utah says he's here because the young men profess there, in some cases, love for him, and that was a critical part of my thinking. And coach as well. Oh, yes. These men that he referred to as the N-word, they, they, they love him. Okay. He goes on. A man is judged by the body of his entire work. And this does not take away anything of the seriousness of what we're talking about. Believe me, I was flat out angry when it happened. Uh, not pleased with everything in the report at all, but also lifted uh, by the qualities that were shown by so many of our young men about what they think about Morgan. The article made sure to point out, and this is the main reason that I'm bringing this up, because again, trying to establish a pattern here so everybody gets a deep understanding of how this process works. The article about this situation felt the need to include this part. Scaly's voice cracked as he apologized to reporters on a teleconference. and He was overcome with emotion to the point he had to pause and collect himself as he directly addressed his current and former players. Okay. I just wanted to share it with you. I came across that. I was like, all right. Let's go ahead and share that. Let everybody know what's happening. Hey, if you're uh, if you're off the next couple of days, man, enjoy your time off. Hopefully you can find a way to make us a part of your day. Uh, hopefully you can find a way to tune in here to the podcast. I'm going to work on a guest for uh, tomorrow uh, so we can talk more about the Sacramento Kings as we start having, you know, regular updates from the team, which will, you know, certainly be nice. I'm, my feeling is I don't I don't know that we're going to make it to Orlando. I don't know that we're going to make it to that first game in Orlando, uh, but I'm going to take advantage of the opportunities. Like, well, you know, I'm going to take advantage of the uh, the opportunities to talk new Kings basketball, to talk basketball on a daily basis, man. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, but appreciate you being here today. Uh, thanks for downloading. If you haven't rated the show yet, please do that. Uh, just hit the fifth star over there on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. If you dig what you're listening to, share it with your friends. Uh, tell us we've got local sports content here that you dig. You're not stuck listening to that stuff on the radio. Uh, we've got local sports content right here, and it's on the podcast with Damian Barling. We'll see you here tomorrow.